0: Today on the Talent Cast, I am half-tempted, half-tempted, to sing Let's Get Serious to the tune of Let's Get Physical. You know, Olivia Newton-John's classic 80s tune, early 80s tune, but I'm not going to do that to you. Welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. This podcast has one simple goal, to change the conversation around recruiting, employer brand, and hiring. Simple as that. The only way we can do that is by making this a 100% no-pitch zone, meaning no one's making any money, no one's giving any money, nobody's sponsoring anything. So please, come join us, come learn, come engage in this conversation, come grow our industry with me. Uh, If you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter, at TheWarForTalent, or you can look at our website, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, let's get to it. How you doing, James Ellis? Here, uh, housekeeping gonna be at RecruitCon next month. Gonna be at Talent uh, Talent Summit in Tal- Talent Brand Summit. I don't know why I keep getting that name jumbled. In Austin, not speaking, just hanging out. So come find me, and then social recruiting strategies in August. August, that sounds right. In the only place you want to be in in the summer, Austin. That's twice. So yeah, good for me. Otherwise, come find me. Come see me. Come say hello. Come hang out. Do whatever. There you go. So beyond that, let's have a few. Let's have a conversation about employer brand. Why? Because apparently, I talk about that quite a bit. Uh, I, so one of the things that happened is at ERE um, is that I had a lot of a lot of good conversations about employer brand. I mean, it's a it's a, conver- it's a it's a conference designed around the broader recruiting scope, which means sourcing and employer brand and recruiting and closing and you know technology and tools and processes and politics, and organizational structure, and pretty much soup to nuts, right? And because I was one of the few employer brand people, I had a lot of employer brand conversations. Some people had questions, uh, some people uh, simply wanted to kind of bend my ear or ask some, you know, what would I do if, or have, have, have I seen work, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the interesting conversations I had with was with someone who I won't bring up just in case that's not okay, but he knows who he is. He is a recruiter who has been tasked with supporting and managing the employer brand, which is kind of a big ask. Uh, it's a good-sized company, so it's a good ask. And really, they should have a dedicated person, but they'll get to that at some point. What, I, what was interesting about having that conversation with him was that it allowed me to think through some of the things that I know to be true, right, that are standard. They're just kind of based into the, the, the bedrock of my thinking, but I don't always realize it. So having those conversations brings them out and allows me to kind of say, oh, look, ah, I think this. That's interesting. And so I wanted to kind of jot some of those things down and kind of share them with you just in case you might think them to be interesting, at least half as interesting as I do, and if if you think they're half as interesting as, as I do, then I'm having twice as good a time, which is almost always the case, sadly, in this podcast. Anywho, so a couple of big ideas, and the first one is why employer brand, and I think that there's this conversation where everybody's having these different pieces of a conversation, but ultimately, the employer brand... The goal of an employer brand is allow you to punch above your weight, meaning if to extend a boxing metaphor, a fight metaphor, if you're a middleweight or a lightweight, it allows you to compete with people who are at a much bigger, stronger weight class. Meaning if you are a thousand person company or a 500 person company, you can compete against a 10,000, 20,000, 60,000 person company. It allows you to say, we are small and scrappy and we're trying to do something good we you know it doesn't all have to be about GE and Google and 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 Ford and Nestle and all you know big 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 brands brands with tens and hundreds of thousands of people brands who can afford to do all sorts of cool tools and all sorts of cool technology and you know, have people dedicated to not just employer brand, but all sorts of elements, you know, ops and tech and, and all this stuff, you know, the, the companies that you you say, gosh, I really would like to, to compete with those companies to kind of get my brand up and running, to get my company growing, to hire the people I think I really want, I need to compete above my weight. And the assumption being, unless you're one of the handful of unicorn companies growing like crazy or who are really, really, really well-funded and you have money to burn, anybody, anybody, money to burn, no? Okay, moving forward. Um, You can't afford to spend the money on people to compete against the Googles and and GEs, right? If you don't have the resources to compete against them from a purely money standpoint, and we'll talk about money in a minute more, what, employer brand is what allows you to compete. It was, it's what allows you to be in the game to say we are just as viable an employer, if not more viable an employer, as these massive companies whose names your mom and dad know, right? These obviously massive companies. If the question is to get you to work at the dog walking startup that is burning, you know, doing really well, but still it's a dog walking startup that only has forty or fifty people versus Google, it's a tough it's a tough fight right? It's a tough challenge. Google, who is just literally, quite literally printing money at this point. The fact that we don't work under some sort of weird Google script, um, that will probably change at one point versus the dog walking startup, which is bootstrapped and, 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 and figuring its own way out, not deeply funded and doesn't have money to burn. It's growing at a good rate, but it's still a smaller startup. It's a tough conversation because the same job will pay infinitely more, maybe not infinitely, but certainly quite a bit more at Google. You don't even have to work in in the Valley to do it. You can just say, I'm going to work where I am or win any number of cities where Google operates, and they will say, fantastic, and they will pay you a lot of money. It's hard to compete against that. If you're looking for a developer a project manager a product manager or a marketing person, it's hard to compete. An employer brand is what allows you to say, look, it's not just about the money right? It's about the reason. It's the value. It's the motivation. It's what matters to you, right? I've had these conversations in this podcast before. It's what allows you to have a very different conversation. The world that has said your job as an employee is to go find a place and go make as much money as you can, the transactional uh, model of the world, is I'm not going to say in decline per se, because it's still very, very much in force in pockets of places and very big pockets of places. But truly, do you want to work in a place where you are a hired gun? You show up, you collect your paycheck, and you get the hell out of dodge? Yeah, it doesn't sound like a long-term sustainable way to work, right? In a um, uh, a growth mindset or a you know you have lots of opportunity kind of mindset. It's not about how do I get what's mine. It's not a zero-sum game or how do I pull as much about down. It's about how do I plant seeds and how do I engage with someone and how do I have conversations which leads to bigger ideas, right? That's what you want out of a job. You want something that says, look, you're going to pay your rent and your mortgage and you're not going to go hungry and you're going to be able to sock a couple of bucks away for a rainy day. But really, the reason you work is because you are doing one of these ideas. You are fulfilling a personal mission. You are growing your personal brand. You get to go home at a certain hour and get to hang out with your family, kids, and friends or get work a hobby. I, I think I've told this story before. I knew someone who was the world's greatest office manager who was by day, an office manager, but like the least office, manager-y office manager because she was so good at her job because it allowed her to say at five o'clock, I close the door and I'm done so that I can go out and do stand up, or I can do improv or I can do uh, plays or I can do, you know, it pays my bills and it writes, you know, pays for my insurance. So I can go do this thing I want to do with the other 16 hours a day that I'm not here at work. She was amazing. She loved working at that job because of what it enabled in the rest of her life. She was not destined to become an office manager. She was damn good at it. But she was destined to find a place where she could say, look, at 5 o'clock, I turn that part of my brain off or focus it on this thing I really want to do. You are subsidizing my need to do improv or, you know, make jewelry or whatever the hell it is, your personal mission, right? Sometimes it's, you know, that's the work-life balance and it's supporting what you want to do with the rest of your life that isn't focused on work. Sometimes it is about glory. Sometimes it is about perks. Sometimes it is about Money, but what does that money mean? Employer brand allows you to have a different conversation. It allows you to say, "Look, we pay ten grand less than that other competitor, but what would you do with that ten grand? Really, you'd want to go save the world. Well, turns out we are saving the world. Oh, you'd use it to go um, build your own startup. Well, why don't you build your startup with us inside?" our company oh you're going to use it to travel well we have travel benefits and we have offices other places or maybe we can figure out a way where you can go ahead and start the Costa Rica office and by the way Costa Rican coffee today delicious um you know, And that's the only reason it came to me. But that's really what it's about. It's all—it's about allowing you to have a better conversation. Some might say that's a negotiation tactic, right? You don't negotiate on what's on the table, but you look at the bigger board and say, okay, what else is happening? Why, if you're negotiating with a vendor and they say the price is, ha, can't be less than this, why? What is the sticking point? What do they need? What? It's not just about margin. It's got to be about something else. Look around, and that's a negotiation tactic, right? Employer brand really supports that idea. It allows you to say, this is what we're all about about. Yeah, you could work at, and I'm just saying Google just because I know it's a company that hires a lot and spends a lot and people like to work there. People want to work there. Yes, you could do your job at Google or you could do your job here. What's the difference? Well, if you once you get beyond the money, what else is the difference? There are a million differences between your company and Google. Some good, some bad. Some of them matter. Some of those differences are very important. Some of them don't. Maybe that person you're trying to hire is Loves the idea of having a super nice office, super nice technology, a super expensive chair, a standing desk, all that stuff. Can you offer that? Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. Maybe that stuff doesn't matter. And Google loves to talk about all the perks it offers and all the flexibility offers, but maybe that's not what matters to the person you're talking about. Employer brand allows you to say, we care about X. Whenever X is, beyond the salary, what do you care about? And turns out, whatever it is you care about, it's something someone else cares about. And you're going to make that love connection, work connection, and say, Chuck Woolery pops up, um, to say that's really what we want to be about. I've talked about this before, the idea that someone who works the Red Cross, maybe that's a bad one because right now they got gotten some bad press, someone who works at... Um, I can't think of another charity. Gosh, there's something wrong with me. Oh, I know. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, people who are like the ACLU of the digital space, people who are dedicated to working that, they are not getting rich there. They could just as easily work at Google and Goldman Sachs, making a lot more money. Are they dumb because they, quote, unquote, can't get into Goldman Sachs and Google? No. They care about this idea. And so long as their bills get paid, they're, the, the fact that they get to focus on this thing they care about leads to this little thing called personal and professional satisfaction, the holy grail of why you get out of bed every morning, why you show up, why you care, why you, to quote Tom Peters here, give a shit about work, right? You can break down your entire office by people who give a shit and people who don't give a shit. And the people who give a shit, and I'm, I'm assuming I'm including you among them, are the people you want to work with. Regardless of the team, regardless of the department, regardless of their level, you want to work with people who give a shit and the people who don't give a shit are the people you go, I guess if I have to, I guess if I politically have to include you or you are a gatekeeper for something I need, I guess I will involve you. But that's what it's all about. You want to find the people who give a shit. What do they give a shit? I don't know. you got to figure out what it is that you give a shit about and line those things up. That's the trick. That's how your employer brand allows you to have a conversation that gets beyond money. It effectively lets you get to a conversation in which you get to say things like, why exactly do you go to work, right? Technology and AI and robots and bots and all this other stuff, if we go all sci-fi for a minute, might allow a place in which you literally don't need to work, right? That it, it, you, Robots will do so much. They will deliver your package. They will, you know, you you, you go ding, ding, hey, Amazon, or hey, Uh, I can't say the robot's name because she will actually pop up and listen to me. But hey, Maplexa. Okay, just double-checking. She didn't pop up. Um, I I need some more uh, toilet paper. And bing, 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 Amazon bots go, I hear you. It knows what toilet paper you like. It knows what price point you're willing to pay. It sends you an alert on your phone. You say, yep, I'm good with that. The robots grab that case of toilet paper, stick it in a box, stick it in a a warehouse – Self-driving cars drive it to the post office or drive it to the local distri- distribution place. Somebody brings it to your house and you're done. How many jobs were done then? One, the person who drove the truck or the person who drove it to your house. And frankly, how long before robots figure out how to do that well? What happens in a world where nobody has a job? Suddenly, you don't have a job so you can sustain yourself if we live in a world in which, and again, I'm going sci-fi here, if you have a basic, natural income that is just derived by existing, that no one has to worry about going hungry. No one has to worry about uh, making sure their bills get paid. What do you do? Why do you go to work? You go to work to give a shit about something. What do you give a shit about? That's the trick. Why do you go to work? An employer brand done well really lets you understand and show off why you think your people come to work every single day. And thus understanding it, people go, oh, cool. I want to be part of that too. Or no, not really, no thanks. So that's one big serious thought about employer brand. that It does support this, you know, why do you even go to work idea. But the other part is, what is the practice of employer brand, right? I, you know, we, we, we talk about GE all the time and we talk about these big names who have done these really cool projects or sometimes we invoke Glassdoor in LinkedIn or sometimes we invoke um, you know, comm scores or uh, net promoter scores, or you talk about this idea of what is our employer brand and, w- and how many people know it and how strong is it, who cares, right? The, the process of owning your employer brand, what does that really entail? What does it really mean to own the employer brand? Given that you can't make an employer brand, it exists in other people's heads. How do you influence that employer brand it turns out there's really only two things you do in the practice of employer branding one you kill things that are bad two you augment and support things that are good meaning are aligned or disaligned meaning if you say you can only, you only care about your employees and your onboarding process sucks your job is to go that sucks how do we kill it and how do we rebuild it in such a way that it actually aligns to our employer brand of we care about our employees quick interruption. The goal here is to change the conversation around recruiting, hiring, and employer brand. The only way we can achieve that goal is with your help. And that is not with money, not with sponsorship. No, 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 no. It's to just simply share us and review us. Simple as that. Just review us wherever you get podcasts, share us on social media, say nice things about us or complain about us. That really is completely fair. Uh, That's all we really ask. That's all. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, let's get back to the show. Right? Your job is to kill things that screw up your employer brand, and those are usually pretty obvious to see, though not always easy to fix or change, right? If I told you right now uh, you had to go change your onboarding program, how long would that take? If you're a company of any size, you're talking months, and I I don't mean like two. I mean like ten. 8, 9, 10, 12 months. It takes a long time to change your onboarding process. What if you're global? What if you have multiple offices, multiple locations, multiple languages? It's very hard to do that. You can't just up and do it. Yes, your job is to kill it and fix it with something better, but that takes a long time. That, but that's the job of the employer brand is to say, this is not supporting our employer brand. Remember, the employer brand is a bird's nest. It is a series of perceptions that your candidate just picks up floating around and builds a perception based on that. So your job is to change those perceptions not by saying here's what you should think but more about let's get rid of this stuff that makes you think bad things about this brand and augment and turn the volume up on the things that make you think good things about the brand. Employer brand is very easy. You kill bad things and you support the good things. There's no big massive strategy involved. There's no here's the three-year plan for employer brand that doesn't say we're going to stop doing these things we're going to start doing these things. That's that's every three-year plan for employer brand. There's no grand strategy. Because strategy is obvious. Make the employer brand by stop doing things that are getting in your way and do more of the things that support the employer brand. It's not rocket science. The the what happens though is that people get into employer brand, especially if you're on the recruiter side and the recruiters are very day-to-day, right? That job is here are the number of recs you have. Go make a number of billion phone calls. Go make a bunch of offers. Go get accepted someplace. Go get rejected someplace and re-support, You know, It's a day-to-day job. Your, 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 your satisfaction tends to be very, very day-to-day. You had a good day. You had a bad day. You had a good day. Lots of people said yes. Lots of people said, yes, I want to have an interview. Yes, I want to have a conversation. Yes, I want to hear more. Yes, I want to take that offer. And so or a bad day and some people said, no. No, I don't want that offer. No, stop calling me. No, you're spamming me. No, 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 no. That's a recruiter's life. And they look at brand, and they look at brand, and they go, that's 30,000-foot view. That's very strategic. That's super cool. That's stuff I never, ever get to think about, which is why I go back to the person whose conversation I had in the area about how they are a recruiter also doing employer brand stuff. It seems fun. It seems sexy. It seems cool to think employer brand because it's 30,000-foot it's view, 60,000-foot view. It's you get to see the big picture. The problem is, having seen that big picture, what can you change? Not a lot. For example, let's say you hit 30,000 foot view and you go, man, our glass door scores are killing us. Do you know how long it takes to change a glass door score? Oh my God, it takes forever. It is turning a massive boat around. Even if you spend 24-7 of your time, which, by the way, I feel like you're missing some stuff. Uh, Your opportunity costs are pretty high. But even if you try and change it, if you're a company of any size, it can take months and months and months, and I do mean years, to make a significant change from your score in Glassdoor because you have to change all the things that make up that score. Yes, you can encourage people who seem to be very happy to, to review. Yes, you can say, hey, you just got promoted. Would you like to review us? You can do all those things, and it can still be just minor adjustments because you also have to kill all the things that are making people say this place sucks and some of it are structural to the business some of them are literally things you cannot change some of them are literally things that the ceo would have to say not only are we changing policy we're changing strategies for the entire endeavor and that's not gonna happen 99,000 times out of 10,000, right? It's not going to happen. So your job is to kill as much as you can the net bad stuff to change those numbers. It takes a very, very long time, which means the practice of employer branding is a job of nibbling around the edges. And this is something I very recently started to realize, something I'm, I'm trying very hard to come to terms with because I am a roll their grenade into the room, blow shit up, put it back together, see it, let's do it again in two weeks kind of guy. Right? I am that kind of guy. If I don't see instant change and instant impact and instant improvement, I say, I'm doing something wrong, blow it up again. I'm a little insane that way. And honestly, I, I have that kind of startup uh, entrepreneurial mentality that says, let's just build it. Let's just go. Let's just go. Let's just go. And sometimes that's super, super supportive. But when it comes to employer brand, what exactly are you blowing up? Are you going to nuke your Glassdoor page and start from scratch? By the way, spoiler, Glassdoor won't let you do that. Um, What are you going to do exactly? Maybe you can nuke that onboarding project, but didn't we talk about how this was six and eight and 12 months of labor just to get it out the door, let alone to see the impact from it? Employer brand is not about grand strategies. It's not about grand projects. You want to spend some money and buy some super cool tools, great! They aren't going to change things that much. The job is about nibbling at the edges. Look, I like Textio a lot. I think it's a super cool tool and they're not paying me in any way, shape or form to say this. And I do work with a business in which we are paying for Textio. Am I expecting it to radically change things? No. Is it a cheap product? No. (laughs) Is it worth it to me? Yes, I think it is. But for me, because I think our biggest problem is our job descriptions right now is that we cannot figure out how to get people globally, and this, I'm talking about my day job, people globally to write decent, not even good, just decent job descriptions, job descriptions where I wouldn't read them and go, oh, that's painful, because right now I still read them. I still read my own job descriptions, my own day job where I go, Oh, why did we let that out the door? Oh my goodness. And I get that the reason bad job descriptions exist is we come by it honestly. We don't expect much from them. We know candidates don't care about them. So we've decided we've given ourselves a hall pass to say it's okay. we can just send we can just scrape the HR job description with the bullet points and drop it and call it a day. You can't. Oh good good, Lord. good Lord, you can't, you can't. you can't. You just can't these days. you can't. So we're going to spend a lot of money, and I'm not quoting numbers, we're going to spend a lot of money on this super cool, cool tool just to elevate our job descriptions. Will we see double the number of applicants? No. No, we won't. We will not. Why? Well, frankly, as, if, this tool, cool, if this tool works nearly as well as the rep says it will, hey, Marcus, um, we will close rep- recs faster because we will fill quality candidates faster. It's not about doubling the number of candidates. It's not about shortening the time to fill because we're not, we don't care about the time to fill. We care about the quality candidates. And we, since we can't measure the quality of candidates because that's effectively impossible, what are we doing? We're nibbling around the edges. We're looking for the obstacles for bringing people in the door and killing them. That's the job of the employer brand. Kill the bad things, augment the good things. Do I think killing any one problem is going to solve the problem? No. No, no, no. I've got 20 other problems to solve and 20 other projects that amplify good things. That's my job as the employer brand is to nibble around the edges. In any given day, it's how do I make the recruiter's life easier, the candidate's life better? How do I make the hiring manager understand what we're trying to do so that they do the stupid thing they want, need, well, I need them to do? Here's a great one. I'm going to put together a class on, and wait for it, how to make a LinkedIn profile. Right now, you are all either laughing or crying because you know exactly how insanely truthful this is. LinkedIn, who is, what have they been around, 15 years? Maybe more? I don't remember the number. Facebook's been around for 13, so LinkedIn's gotta be at least that, right? Um, It's been around forever. Everybody knows how to use it, right? In the recruiting space, we're all experts at it. Even if with you don't have a recruiting, seat, you all know you put a picture in the thing, you describe your company and the, and the job you did, you talk about the achievements you've had, you polish it up because you know that's the internet's professional Rolodex and you know that's where you have to be. But these hiring managers, some of whom have been in these jobs for 5 and 10 and 15 years who really don't use LinkedIn because they're not looking for a job, their LinkedIn profiles suck. And it turns out they're hiring like crazy and so the recruiter goes out finds great candidates the candidate goes oh who am i meeting with oh the hiring manager is sue great you look at sue's linkedin and it's crap you go oh and suddenly that candidate is walking into that interview with the wrong attitude now can the hiring manager turn that around of course does that just make their hiring managers and the recruiters job harder yes should that be that way no are there a million classes and or books you could give every single hiring manager to get better LinkedIn profiles? Yes. Yes, of course you could. Are they reading them? Obviously not. Am I asking a lot of questions? Yes. Yes, I am. You may make fun of me all you want. I imagine for those of you from my running buddy at a smash fly, you're now laughing at me because you know I'm a total idiot. For those of you who don't realize, yes, I'm just a total idiot, but... We're just going to offer a little class, 30 minutes. Hey, here are the five things you need to do to make your LinkedIn profile not suck. I'm going to market it a little better than that. But really, that's all I need you to do. As a hiring manager, I just need your LinkedIn profile to be pretty good. Not great, not magical. You don't have to hit top 2%. Just pretty good. Good enough that you're not stepping on your own toes and shooting yourself in the foot and apparently other things that involve feet, right? That's all it is. It's nibbling around the edges. It's killing bad things and supporting good things. That is the job of the employer brand. That's the trick. So to recap, because I've hit 25 minutes now, to recap, if you're serious about employer brand, you have to understand that the value is to pu- allow you to punch above your weight, but really that's a function of having a more adult, realistic, interesting, valuable conversation, the conversation that extends beyond money. In fact, that should almost never talk about money. That's a good sign that you've got a strong employer brand, that you don't talk about money, right? You don't have to. Liar's Poker, one of my favorite books of all time, Mike, Michael Lewis, who you may have heard of. He only wrote you know, Blindside and uh, Moneyball, and I want to talk about Moneyball one day, but I think everybody does, so I think I want to hold off on that for a minute. His, it's his first book. It's his first book, and he talks about how he got this job at a massive Uh, Solomon Brothers, massive bond trading company, and how they never really offered him a job and he never asked about money. And it turns out you don't talk about the money. Places where everybody wants to work, you don't talk about the money. And I think that's a great idea. If you can have a conversation which the money is almost way back in the conversation where everyone walks in knowing, you're going to pay me fairly because I really want this other thing you're offering, that's how you know you've got a strong employer brand. You support conversations that have nothing to do with money. How do you make that happen? You kill off bad things, and you support good things. You nibble around the edges every single day. You look for something bad you can kill and something good you can support, and then you wake up the next morning, and then you do it again, etc., etc. And with a fine, etc., I say I guess I'm done. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please review me on iTunes and Google Play and all those other places you get your podcasts. I always appreciate it. Um, otherwise, if you want to fight me or have a good idea for a podcast or would like to talk about something or want me to talk about something, uh, you, you know, Twitter, the war for talent at the war for talent or find us on the website, the talentcast.com. I know so clever. Ah, uh, that's all I got. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, indeed Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah.